Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep of the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Alistair Neen, who's North, who is the North American Sales Manager for Geotech Limited, uh, who specialises in high-resolution, non-destructive analysis of geological cores. Um, for over 25 years, they've designed, built, and supplied a range of multi-sensor core logger systems uh, using a suite of geophysical and geochemical sensors primarily aimed at non-destructive core analysis across the mining industry. Um, Alice has an earth science and geology degree um, and has been with the business for five and a half years. Um, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about the company, what they do, and also how mining companies can benefit from using their equipment and expertise. So that's welcome, Alice, to the podcast. How are you doing, Alice? Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, I, I do understand that this is going to be probably slightly different to your usual podcast because I know that you interview a lot of juniors, a lot of majors. Uh, we're more in the tech side of things. So, you know, seeing how core scanning, core logging can be applied specifically to the mining and mineral exploration markets. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, no way. And, and as, I, as I'm obviously speaking off air, this podcast is really educational to our mining industry. And, and, and obviously your content will be relevant to many people and many of our listeners that work in the mining industry. So before we get uh, into the podcast, just wonder if you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your career. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, no problem there, Rob. I think... Uh... I think I'll start off by giving a bit of an intro into myself and then uh, sort of leading into an intro, I guess, into geotech and what we do as a company, because it all kind of, I suppose, ties together. So um, just going into my interest in geology and how that all sparked. So uh, that actually takes me back to quite a young age, because uh, when I was younger, both my parents actually worked in oil and gas. So I uh, was born in the UK and then we actually traveled quite a bit, so always had a bug for traveling. So we, we tended to go between uh, the Netherlands, Norway, and Texas, and, and kind of did that loop a couple of times. So, I mean, growing up, I was around a lot of, uh, a lot of oil and gas personnel, but also a lot of people who were doing those same sort of routes and moving around. So I would say uh, that travel itself was probably second nature to me and uh, just, just a normal thing to do. And then uh, you combine that with, uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to live in Stavanger for a few years. You combine that with some of the amazing landscapes and, uh, and cultures. And, uh, you know, that's really where my interest in geology, I guess, sort of sparked. I mean, you know, there's loads of hiking you can do around Stavanger, as you can imagine. A lot of, uh, lot of metamorphic and igneous rocks over there. You know, you have granites, gneisses, schists, all of that. So that's really where my interest in geology, I suppose, sparked, I would say. So then moving on to uh, kind of later in life, I suppose, that's, that really led me down the path of considering maybe I want to move into oil and gas and keep traveling as well. So that's really when I considered a degree in earth sciences. So I actually went to the University of Glasgow up in Scotland 
And uh, I, I don't know about you, Rob, but if you haven't been to Scotland, I mean, absolutely amazing geology. So, uh, you know, a lot of our field trips were right, right on the doorstep there. So absolutely fantastic. But of course, my, uh, my degree uh, kind of coincided with the downturn of oil and gas back in 2014. So I kind of had to consider my options a bit, what I might do. Do I want to still look into ge geology? Do I want to still look into oil and gas? Do I want to go down a different path? So that really, uh, I suppose, led me to uh, to traveling a bit. So from there, I actually decided to uh, take a bit of a break from geology and uh, travel the world. So I traveled a lot of North America, South America, uh, quite a bit of Asia, and then ended up in Australia for a bit, where I actually ended up working uh, for a job in sales. So nothing to do with geology at that point. But uh that is when I actually realized I quite like the sort of company client relationship side of things. So the commercial aspect. And uh, the reason I bring that up is that the role at Geotech, which originally uh, sort of caught my eye, I suppose, was uh, it was a hybrid role actually when I first joined, uh, part geo, part in the sort of commercial aspect. Uh, so I'll, circ I'll circle back to that in a minute, but just to give you a bit of background into who Geotech are and what we actually do as a company. So Geotech essentially, like you said at the beginning there, Rob, specialize in the sort of design and manufacture of multi-sensor core logging systems. So we're basically creating platforms which automate the core logging process. So conventionally, you'd log the core visually, you know, you'd have a geo stood there logging the core samples, but uh, we actually create sensors and system parameters that allow you to automate that process. So we have our range of MSCL systems, we call them multi-sense core loggers. And then we have a range of imaging platforms as well, varying from visual imaging, UV imaging, hyperspectral imaging, and then also looking at X-ray CT as well. So 2D radiography, of course, samples, and then full 3D CT as well. So you get those lovely uh, internal structures that you might not otherwise be able to see just from the naked eye. So uh, circling back to uh, my role at Geotech when I started, I like I said, I was kind of half as a geo, half in a sort of commercial aspect. So I actually participated in quite a few of our core logging programs in which we use our, our sensor parameters and our, our core logging systems to log the core automatically. And this can be from for a range of things from physical properties through to geochemistry and, as I said, imaging. But um, if you go and look at uh, look at our roots of Geotech, we were actually founded a few decades ago. We were founded, this will be our 30 year anniversary. We were founded in 1994 with our first system going out to the United States Geological Survey. And back then we were really focusing on the sort of physical parameters because uh, our founder, Peter Schultheis, he had uh, quite a strong connection and quite strong ties to the IODP, the International Ocean Discovery Program. So uh, you can imagine physical properties being very important for shallow marine sediment cores. So back then we were very much focused on the physical property side of things. But I mean, we really wanted to broaden our horizons and that really led us to exploring new markets. So we then started to work with a range of different reputable companies like uh, Bartington. So we integrated magnetoceptibility onto our systems, uh, Olympus or Evident, I should say actually now, uh, so we integrate Avanta XRF onto our systems as well for elemental chemistry, uh, Malvin Panalytical. So we integrate a lab spec for VNIR, so visual near infrared and SWIR, so mineralogical data as well. 
So all of that combined has really, I suppose, opened us up into exploring new markets, whether it be on the geotechnical side of things, uh, in oil and gas, looking at, you know, sand, shale, siltstones, all of that. And then also, of course, into hard rock more recently, I would say in the last sort of five years or so, more hard rock geology, which obviously opened the door for mining and mineral exploration. So that really all uh, kind of ties into where I am today, which is um, as the North American sales manager. So I essentially manage our sales and services for uh, a lot of the US and Canada today. Um, and uh, I, I suppose we'll discuss that in further detail, Rob, as we go through this. But um, that really uh, is essentially what got me to where I am today. Yeah. Before we speak about geotech, one question I was going to ask you uh, in your from your introduction, obviously your parents were in oil and gas. What do they think about you going into the mining sector or more focusing on the mining sector? Oh, well, I mean, they, they of course, love it because, uh, you know, oil and gas itself is a finite resource. Uh, I mean, you could you could almost argue that you know, anything in mine, mining is a finite resource. But I think uh, I think mining itself, you know, mining is used in absolutely everything we do uh, nowadays. So I think um, I think as an industry, it's uh, going to be much more long term than oil and gas, of course. But it's very much needed for uh, for that transition away from fossil fuels and into sort of greener energies. Because you think about mining and a lot of the components of mining, uh, whether it be rare earth elements in wind turbines, for example, a lot of those feed into renewable resources and renewable energy practices that we can use to uh, to move away from fossil fuels, which we'll obviously need to do because uh, because, like I say, it's a finite resource. So, yeah, they're they're very happy with me being uh, sort of more in the mining sector nowadays. That's good. Um, I wonder if you just give us uh, some content around into uh, obviously around core scanning um, and why is core scanning even more important in the first place? Um, and I suppose to, to many, maybe many people that are listening, scanning, I suppose, is a, a relative new concept. Um, and I just want to just give us a bit of background around that. Yeah, yeah, of course, Rob. So uh, scanning, I mean, like I said, scanning has been, uh, it was definitely a new concept, I would say, in the sort of early to mid 90s. It has been around for a while now, but I think it's much more in the last, like I say, five to 10 years or so that the sort of mineral exploration sector has really sort of started to embrace it. Um, so I would definitely argue, and this is personal and obviously it relates to uh, to my work as well, but I would definitely argue that core is the most important resource we have from an exploration standpoint and in the mining sector in general. It's a way of essentially connecting us to remote sensing surveys, you know, geophysical surveys, aerial surveys, whatever it is that you're doing is a way of connecting us to the subsurface. It's it's essentially the ground truthing that's there. So it's the material we test from, it's the material we can subsample from, it's the material we can, you know, choose samples to send off for assay. In a lot of cases, we'll photograph the core, or you'd hope so at least, that we photograph the core sample. So it's essentially our key into understanding that sort of that underlying stratigraphy. And it's the thing that's telling us, you know, how much gold is there? How much silver is there? How much nickel, tungsten, tin, whatever it is, whatever the commodity is, is a way of physically proving what is actually there. What is the resource? How economically viable is it? How much of it is there? How can we extract it? What's the sort of spatial distribution? 
all of these sort of features is a way of helping us understand and visualize what is actually there. So I guess that kind of under that sort of underpins the question of uh, really how did core scanning even come about in the first in the first place? Like I said, it's been around for kind of uh, you know two to three decades or so now. But um, core itself is actually very very expensive to extract, as I'm sure you, Rob, you're well aware, and many of the listeners, I'm sure, are, are very well aware. Core is very expensive to extract. So in that case, if you consider it that way, you might as well make the most out of that resource. You know, you've already spent X amount of dollars, you know, extracting the core sample. You might as well spend that little bit more trying to maximize the data value you can actually get from logging the core itself. So much of the time, I mean, core sits in, uh, you know, core repositories or, you know, sits on racks, sits on shelves. A lot of the time it's very underutilized. You might have logged the core or you might have logged the core multiple times, which is uh, actually a point I want to come back to later on. But uh, and then it's stored and, you know, either kind of forgotten about, discarded or a lot of the time. I mean, I've seen core boxes outside when a core store is full, for example. And, uh, you know, if you've worked with any of those cardboard boxes, you'll know if those things get wet, it's an absolute nightmare to bring them back out again and work with them. So. I would say a lot of the time it's a very underutilized resource that we could do a lot more with. And I would say that's really where scanning sort of comes in and gives us the opportunity to really maximize that, that data value from the core, whether it be con collecting a consistent data set, um, having a non-subjective data set, which is very important. And I, I do definitely want to come back to that point and discuss it in more detail. And then also creating a sort of um, golden standard, I suppose, if you'll pardon the pun, but the golden standard that you can sort of adhere to and come back to. So we really want to start looking at how we can maximize that resource, essentially. So where does, I suppose, where does geotech fit into all of this in relation to, to mining and my, uh, mineral exploration sector? Um, and I just want to just tell us a little bit about some of the benefits in using this equipment uh, and conventional logging techniques. Yeah, yeah, of course, Rob. So, uh, where geotech essentially fits into the mining and, and sort of mineral exploration industry, I suppose, is with our box scan system. So I mentioned that we have a range of multi-sense core loggers, but our box scan system we specifically designed for the mining and the exploration sectors. So with that, we've basically built a system that's ruggedized, you know, plug and play electronics that can go to site, a built-in UPS, uninterrupted power supply, anti-vibration mounting, all of that considered so that we can, you know, mobilize these things to really remote locations, which often uh, a lot of exploration sites are in places, you know, that are in the middle of nowhere, lacking infrastructure a lot of the time, or maybe even lacking an internet connection some of the time. So with that, we've also considered that in the software uh, and built in offline capabilities so that you can do all of the core scanning offline. And then, of course, getting the system to site, you know, you can you can pop the system on the back of a trailer if you wanted to, if there are roads to site. Or, I mean, even in some cases, we've actually helicoptered systems to site and basically built a, uh, a sort of makeshift uh, tent style lab around the box scan itself so that we can actually, you know, do the scanning on site as the core lands on deck next to the drill rig, for example. But um, a point I wanted to come back to uh, there, Rob, just on this subject is um, what we can actually get from the from the core scanning itself, from the box scan. So I mentioned non-subjective data. 
And the reason I think that's so important is because a lot of the time you have a geologist, you know, conventionally logging the core sample, so no core scanner. And, you know, you might get a different interpretation to the next geologist who comes along and logs that same core sample. So you have a very subjective data set. I mean, it's the age old saying of you have 10 different geologists, you're going to have 11 different interpretations. Because I mean, it's just human nature, right? So uh, I, I suppose core scanners are a way of us collecting a non-subjective data set. You know, you can you can take measurements here, 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 and here, and, you know, collect a standard sort of set of measurements. You don't have a sampling bias. You don't have a, ge a geologist looking, oh, wow, that's an amazing vein. I definitely want to log all about that, but not log a lot of the rest of the core samples. So you don't have, you sort of remove the sampling bias. And then also on top of that, you have a consistent data set as well. And a data set that because it's digitized on the core scanner, you can then refer back to. You don't have to then, you know, have the next team come in and have, you know, your your supervisor not agree with any of the logging and then do the relogging all over again, which in many cases and many people throughout the industry, whether it be juniors or majors, a lot of people I talk to have, you know, logged and relogged and relogged the same set of core. And I mean it's just such a waste of a waste of time and a waste of effort when you could, you know, put these practices into the mine chain at an early stage, collect a digital data set and then have that reliable, consistent data set that's non-subjective that you can then go back to. So uh, with the box scan system, we've really uh, focused on the sort of multi-parameter aspects. So we have a range of geochemistry sensors like XRF, RGB color, um, high resolution imaging, all integrated onto the system coupled with, uh, we have magnetic susceptibility. And then we also have a point BNAR and SWIR sensor for your mineralogical data. So you're really getting quite a lot of data off of the system. And like I said, all non-subjectively. And what that essentially allows your geos to do, I suppose, is from rather than being, I suppose, high, highly skilled data collectors, you know, with conventional logging techniques, um, they're really more focused on the interpretation of the data coming off the system. So I would argue that it really sort of um, gives your geos the ability to actually do the geology rather than being those data collectors. So essentially what we're trying to do there with the box scan system, and I suppose core scanning systems as an industry in general, is we're trying to shorten the timeline from exploration through to production. I mean, this is for multiple reasons. A lot of the drivers for this are, of course, cost, because everyone wants to keep costs down in their projects. Understandably, you know, you're, you're trying to drive investment, particularly in the junior sphere, you're trying to drive investment all the time, you know, to keep your project going and get to production as quickly as you can so that the mine can actually start, you know, being profitable. So uh, what we want to do with core scanners uh, in the case of exploration is really sort of shorten that timeline. So you look at the Lasson curve, for example, and you typically have a junior making the discovery. And then what you want to do is essentially mm. drill to ore as quickly as you can. So you want to characterize the resource. You want to understand how much resource is there, how economically viable it is. So what we can do by employing core scanning technology at an early stage is actually ground truth and understand and characterize that resource at a faster rate so that by the time you move into your sort of feasibility studies you already have a lot of what's there and hopefully you can do 
you know, less lab testing, less assaying, less costs throughout your feasibility. So again, shortening the timeline, so less cost, better characterizing your recess, uh, your resource, sorry, at an early stage. So again, less cost. And then making models and feeding all this info into your models, whether it be your geometrological models, your geological models, um, all of that information at an early stage really gives us the ability, I suppose, to, to sort of bridge that gap and propel us towards production. Um, so I'd like to actually at this point touch upon uh, a case study we did with Xanadu Mines. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about Xanadu Mines is because they were actually our first box scan client. Um, so they've had box scans on site for quite a number of years now. Um, they have a uh, copper gold porphyry over in Mongolia at their Kamagtai project. And uh, what they're wanting to do is scan their entire core archive. So all the core they've collected up until that point, and then also their new core that's landing on deck. So they're essentially using box scan to collect a high resolution data set automatically from the core sample. So essentially freeing the geo to do the geological interpretation. So what that also does as well is because you're just using one system to collect all of these measurement data, you're actually freeing up a lot of time as well. So you don't have one person doing the imaging, one person you know, taking the mag-sus measurement. You don't have one person going around with an XRF, collecting XRF. And then on top of that, compiling all of that data and trying to marry it all up and make some sort of sense out of it. You have all of that already, all Depka registered on one system. So with that, again, a consistent data set and a data set that you can then feed into your block models. So for example, Xanadu are using LeapFrog. So they're feeding all the data basically straight into their LeapFrog models. And then we're actually going one step further with Xanadu and we're looking at a, a sort of, I suppose, a machine learning sort of component, taking the data sets, plugging them into basically purposefully built machine learning algorithms. And I'll go into a bit more detail about this, but uh, essentially using that to characterize and um, segment their sulfides and actually work out how much sulfide is there. So I, I suppose as a commodity driven industry by em embracing and uh, this sort of enhanced analysis, we can really sort of propel ourselves through from the exploration phase to production at a much faster rate. And that's really what we're trying to achieve. But, you know, as an industry on the whole, particularly for meeting you know, green energy targets further down the line, I think it's really important for us to sort of look into, you know, a variety of innovative technology and see what can really be applied here and, and how can we propel the industry forward so that we can move through this, this sort of green energy transition. Yeah, and obviously talking about machine learning, um, I just wonder if you can expand on what you're doing uh, with AI currently um, and obviously how this applies with uh, to the box scan and how and I suppose how juniors or even majors uh, in the exploration space uh, could look to apply this. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, AI, it's, uh, it's such a hot topic right now, right? I mean, AI encompasses all, I suppose, artificial intelligence, whether it be deep learning, machine learning, because uh, that in itself, actually, machine learning has been around uh, in industry. I know in the oil and gas industry, but even in the mining industry as well for quite a number of years, it's really just um, LLMs like ChatGPT, I suppose, that have really brought the sort of uh, the public awareness 
to uh, the sort of AI world, I suppose. But I mean, many, many companies in the geoscience sector have been looking into machine learning algorithms for a number of years and uh, ourselves included. And we've we've really sort of tried to expand on this and try to, um, I suppose, incorporate a, a component of AI into all of our core logging systems, particularly the box scan system so that we can uh, see if we can achieve results at a faster rate and see if we can achieve uh, achieve things that we didn't otherwise think we could without the means of machine learning. So I'll circle back to the case of Xanadu mines just to go into that a bit deeper and, and sort of explain to you uh, of one of the techniques we're using machine learning for. And uh, so uh, with that, I just want to mention Reza Randa and James Shreve who've been working very closely with our client Xanadu uh, for the machine learning for our seg uh, segmentation, essentially, of sulfides. So essentially what we're doing there is we're approaching from a supervised learning sort of approach to extract sulfides from high-resolution core images themselves. So we're usually using the high-resolution line scan camera on the box scan, so we can do wet and dry images on the box scan. We're using those line scan data um, to automatically segment sulfides. Now, of course, there, there are many challenges with this. Uh, trying to segment sulfides uh, in itself just visually can be very challenging as a geo, I would know, trying to log the core, but um, even through the images themselves. So what we're looking to do is segment the sulfides, as in understand how much sulfide is there, and then also differentiate between the different types of sulfides. So you know, that could be uh, disseminated, it could be massive, it could be vein sulfide. So we really want to understand the sort of spatial distribution of those sulfides as well. So with that, we looked at different clustering approaches, and then we looked and sort of settled eventually on k-means clustering. So uh, as I said, there are quite a few challenges with this, uh, one being the different the different types of sulfides, which I mentioned, the different ways they actually appear within the core sample, and uh, and and how we go about sort of um, uh, understanding understanding what's actually there. So what we did was we basically generated a workflow a, a workflow of different models. So we trained the model to identify lithology types themselves. So that was the first model. We used the data from the box scan and identified different lithologies. Then we looked at the lithologies containing sulfides themselves. So we honed in on those specific lithologies and fed those through uh, an additional model to then start to look at the sulfide content. And what we found was it actually worked pretty well. It's, it's not robust by any means. I think we're still in the sort of early, early stages, but it actually worked pretty well in that we were able to not only identify total sulfide content, but actually start to segment the sulfides out themselves. And how we did this, so for example, how we differentiated between disseminated versus veined versus massive sulfides is we started to look at the, uh, the sulfide particles themselves and the different characteristics, whether it be you know, roundness, elongation, and started to create polygons and classify them and group them into different types of sulfides. And from that, we could get different sulfide segmentation essentially. And so we could do this for one image, but then we decided to apply this to uh, quite a large data set. I think the initial data set was um, 30 kilometers, I want to say off the top of my head. But even if you just apply this to, let's just take one borehole as an example, you come up with a segmented sulfide image, so a sulfide map, we call them, um, with lithological predictions and then total sulfide content prediction. And then you can, of course, 
um, you know, you can compare this to the assay data or the XRF data, looking at this total sulfur content. And we actually found that the correlation um, flowed quite nicely and, and, and it was very similar. Of course, there's going to be some scatter. There's going to be some differentiation there because assay results are obviously volumetric, whereas we're just looking at the surface of the core. So, you know, if you have a, a what appears to be a small vein on the surface of the core, but underneath it's actually a very large vein, we wouldn't capture that necessarily because we're just looking at the surface. So there are going to be slight differentiations, but on the whole, uh, the trend actually followed really nicely. So this actually enabled us to uh, to sort of look at rolling this out with all of our box scan systems, along with other machine learning algorithms that that we're looking at for uh, for for other uh, sort of AI components, I'll say. But um, it, it's a really interesting case study, and and I think it sort of opens the doorways to what we can really do in the in the sort of AI and machine learning sector. And I think uh, the industry as a whole can definitely definitely benefit on the AI side of things, but that's just something that we're looking into at the moment and hoping to roll out more as standard uh, in the future with our box scan systems. Have you run into sort of any, any challenges with, with big data? Um, essentially, what, what are the issues, if any, uh, with large data files? And is there any, I suppose, way around this? Um, do you think this will be an industry-wide problem? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I, I do, I do agree with what you actually said there, Rob. Do I think it will be an industry-wide problem? Y yes and no. I, I definitely do think there are issues, particularly at the moment, with high-resolution data collection. I mean, if you're imaging, for example, high-resolution hyperspectral images, I mean, those files can be massive. There are, of course, ways around it. So, for example, hyperspectral, we look at very high-resolution mineralogical data. You're collecting basically a, a mineral map and you're collecting um, mineral classifications and abundances from the core sample using visual near-infrared and short-wavelength infrared. Um, a way around it that we have found is rather than collecting a near-continuous data set like hyperspectral, we actually collect mineralogical data on the box scan as point data. So rather than creating a really high-resolution hyperspectral image, which, don't get me wrong, can be very, very valuable in certain deposit types, um, but I definitely don't think it's needed in all deposit types and definitely not at the very early stages of exploration. Um, but what we do is in integrate a point sensor. As I mentioned previously, we work with Malvin Panalytical, so we integrate one of their lab specs. So we're collecting point sensor data rather than a full hyperspectral image. So that really brings down, I suppose, the file sizes because, you know, you, you have that mineralogical data and you can compare that to other data in the box scan system like the XRF, like the MagSAS, like the color data, and then start to really get a, a good geological understanding from the sort of multi-parametric data approach. Whereas hyperspectral imaging can be massive file sizes. And if you're working with any cloud-based software, I'm sure you're well aware of how long it can take to upload to the cloud, particularly if you don't have a very good internet connection on site. Um, you know, it, it can be a real problem there. And then, of course, you have large file sizes that you're trying to share in many cases, particularly with majors internationally, because you might have a team in Canada processing the data from, uh, you know, a mine in South Africa, for all you know. So uh, I think that's sort of, uh, that sort of, international and global approach that a lot of companies now have 
um, really opens the door to, you know, we need data which we can not only work with, but that's reasonable file sizes, easy to access, and then also easy to uh, to understand and actually get your teeth into, because there's really no point in collecting all of this data and then having you know extremely large file sizes that you're having to store either on hard drives or in the cloud, and uh, and and not doing anything with it. So I think as an industry, uh, as a whole, I think we definitely need to get better at. Uh, dealing with data, I suppose. We definitely need more geodata scientists coming into the industry. And I mean, that's a little bit of a concern at the moment because I know that we, we really need more geos coming in or, or more people, I should say, more young people doing geoscience degrees because at the moment, I, I really think that's needed for us to uh, to sort of meet our targets for the green energy transition. Um, but I, I would say data science in general is uh, something that really that really we need to as an industry get get better at. And I think uh, large file sizes can definitely be an issue, but there's there's definitely workarounds for it, I would say. And lastly, and concluding, um, obviously, you mentioned the green uh, transition a few times. How do you think applying core scanning to exploration programs and obviously mine sites can help with the green energy transition? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a very good question, Rob. And I think it's one that personally I'm, I'm very interested in because I'm very passionate about, about this transition and, and, and seeing how we can uh, globally, not only just as an industry, propel ourselves forward. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of forward thinking out there at the moment. So, for example, you have... Uh, critical minerals, I mean, <laughs> how do you even class what the critical mineral is, right? Uh, a resource that's essential, is it? A resource that's economically essential, which of course can change from uh, from region to region, let alone year by year. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot now in the way of critical mineral initiatives, which is great to see. It's great to see, you know, governments um, sort of giving incentives for these sort of critical mineral initiatives and critical mineral programs, which I think is very, very important because, of course, from an investor perspective, there's always a, a, a cost element at play, uh, completely understandably. But of course, to move through this, uh, this green energy transition, we really need to be aware of, uh, you know, the targets that need to be met and the tech, I suppose, as well, that's out there that can help us reach those targets and reach those targets at a quicker, quicker rate. I mean, you know, you look at uh, ESG credits as well. There's great incentive there for uh, better understanding the resource and geology. You look at things like... Uh, mine reclamation uh you know you can use uh, all of this innovative tech uh, in, in that sort of way looking at how how can we uh, better make use of uh, the space that we've been mining for x amount of years um and then of course you know you can look at things like uh, carbon capture storage as well so of course core logging or core scanning i should say uh, can be hugely beneficial in the carbon capture storage uh, storage sector um, because you know you're wanting to characterize uh, rocks which might be suitable hosts for carbon so um, uh, I, I think core scanning can definitely have an impact on the green energy transition and in fact I would probably argue that it's paramount and something that's really needed in this transition and uh, I think one of the one of the key things there just to kind of um, just to kind of uh, summarize Rob is uh, 
and, and, and something that I feel strongly about is public awareness. And I think uh, public awareness much of the time when you, you know, you think about mining and and uh, people almost consider it a dirty word, unfortunately. And, and, and I do understand why, because as an industry uh, on the whole, you know, you go back however many years and there were a lot of practices which weren't necessarily uh, or wouldn't necessarily meet our ESG standards of today, let's say. So uh, it is understandable, but I do definitely think we need to change that that sort of public perception of mining so that we can not only get more geos actually coming into the industry or data scientists to use this data and you know help us achieve our targets, but also to uh, increase education. So I think you know even even putting things like renewable energies, mining, mineral exploration, all of that into, you know, school curriculums and things as well, I think would be hugely beneficial. You know, you, you start teaching about that at a young age and then you see all, all of those, not all, but you'd hope that some of those kids go on to geoscience degrees or, or degrees in data science and actually help with, uh, with that transition. So, um, yeah, so I think it, it, core scanning in general, I think, can be hugely beneficial for the green energy transition. And, and I, I would hope it is moving forward. I know that I've seen some um, absolutely fantastic case studies coming off the box scan, and I would hope that we have more and we can really help the industry uh, as a whole. Yeah. Alice, really appreciate your time. Thank you for obviously giving us a, um, a company overview of Geotech and obviously telling us a little bit about obviously the, the, the core scanning um, systems that you use. Um, I'd imagine a lot of our audience uh, would be very interested, obviously, in, in what you had to say. I know there's a lot of, I have a lot of junior miners on, on this podcast, um, and I know a lot of them do listen to this. So if they want to find out any more information from yourself, I know you're at many conferences around the world, um, and obviously they can come up and uh, obviously approach you if they do see you there. Um, but if our audience wants to reach out to you, want to follow your story, want to know a little bit more about Geotech, how can they go about doing that? What social media platform channels uh, do you occupy? Yeah, so they, they can definitely email me uh, or hit me up on LinkedIn. So my email is just alice at geotech.co.uk or you can find me on LinkedIn, Alice Deneen. Uh, I, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So that's probably the best way best way to get me is to message me on LinkedIn. But of course, you're welcome to email me. Um, we do have a Geotech LinkedIn as well, which you're more than happy to get in touch with, or you can get in touch with our, our, our general email, which is sales at geotech.co.uk. Um, I will be attending some of the upcoming conferences. I'll be at the SME this year, which is next week, and of course, PDAC in a couple of weeks' time. So um, yeah, if, if any of your listeners are interested, Rob, uh, they're more than welcome to come find me there as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, and we we include all those in the show notes, all those links, uh, so they can uh, get easy access to, to get in contact with you. And like I said, you're, you're at many of the conferences around the world um, over the course of the year. So uh, no doubt uh, any of our listeners uh, that are attending anywhere around the world, attending some of these conferences, no doubt they'll be able to uh, uh, obviously meet up with you whilst uh, at the event. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Well, thank you for thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, um, this is very obviously educational, um, especially within the uh, not necessarily I suppose just in the junior market, but with even even uh, larger mining companies. And and mm -hmm. as Alice alluded to, um, obviously core 
core samples are uh, obviously collected and need to be obviously scanned, need a lot more information um, and obviously collecting that, that data. And I think Alice just demonstrated why uh, Geotech are a company that you, you should consider um, in your exploration program. So um, if you've obviously got any questions, please reach out to Alice. Um, also, appreciate your continued support with this, uh, with this podcast. Please share this far and wide. Um, any, wherever you are in the world, please share the episode to any, any uh, people within the mine industry all across the world. Um, and really, like I said, really appreciate your continued support. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.